This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Uh, Phil is the author of American Veda. He's also the author of The Life of Yogananda. Uh, we are now a not only a podcast, but a YouTube channel, so you can watch us. And whether you're watching or listening, please hit the subscribe button. Also want to take a second to thank the people that have contributed to help keep us on the air. And if those there are other people that would like to do that, please go to spiritmatterstalk.com and it will be explained to you how to do that. And uh, we have about 300 shows in our archives, which are available to everyone uh, anywhere. And I think you'll enjoy those. We have a wonderful show today. We have, it's, I should mention, it's the uh, 75th anniversary of uh, the book, Autobiography of a Yoga by uh, Yogananda that uh, came out and has changed the lives of many, 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 many people worldwide. Certainly many people I know lives have been profoundly changed by that book. So if you haven't read it, read it. If you've read it, read it again, because there's always more to get from it. Uh, we're fortunate today to have on our show, uh, Brahmachari Martin. He's at the, uh, at, at, he's with the Self-Realization Fellowship as a um, minister and a spiritual counselor for over 40 years. Thank you so very much, Brahmachari Martin, for coming and taking the time to be on with us today. Thank you. Wonderful to be here, Dennis. <laughs> so this is a, a special show. We want to honor and celebrate the 75th anniversary of Autobiography of a Yogi. And we're delighted that we have a representative of, Spirit, of the Self-Realization Fellowship with us. This is the copy that I read in 1970. Wow. And I still have it with me, even though I've moved many times over the years. It was a $5 hardcover, <laughs> and I would not have had $5, so I'm sure I ripped it off from somebody, <laughs> borrowed it from yeah. somebody, and never returned yeah, no. it. And no. it had a big influence on my life, as it has millions of others. So, uh, Brother Martin, to begin... You've been a monk for 40 years with SRF, but tell us uh, about the first time you read Autobiography of a Yogi and what were the circumstances? Okay. It was also in 1970. Ah. <laughs> Same year. I was in Los Angeles. Were you up north? No, I was in Cambridge, Massachusetts at the time. Oh, okay. So anyway, yeah, 1970, I was 19 years old. I... Um, I grew up in Orange County, California, uh, typical, typical growing up in, the, in, the, in that era, 60s, exciting time. Um, I didn't have any kind of spiritual leanings, except I had this strong thought from about 16 years old, 17, it started, said, you have to meditate, you have to meditate. Uh, I didn't know anything about meditation, but that was that thought. And it's like, this is going to be an important part of your life. So I knew I would have to meditate at some point. So then I went to school. I went to college at USC and, uh, and joined a fraternity. And the fraternity brother, we were, was reading all these spiritual books. That's, that was what was happening at the campus. We had speakers every noon. Uh, Ramdas, Krishnamurti, Vishnu, oh. Devananda, Hatha Yoga. It was, it was incredibly fertile time for spiritual oh. exploration. And I met this fraternity brother who was doing that. He was reading book after book. He said, you got to do this. This is incredible. 
And uh, so uh, we were doing it. And it was like we were, we were looking for like the most powerful yogi. Who is the most realized master? That was our, that was our search because we kind of knew we would follow whoever this person was. And so we were reading book after book. And finally he said, oh, I found it. You could, our search is over. It's Paramahansa Yogananda, Autobiography of Yogi. And he said, not only is he the most greatest realized saint, but his guru, Sri Teshwar, is greater than him. And he has a guru, <laughs> Larry Mahashai, who's even like more amazing. And Larry Mahashai has a guru of Babaji that is beyond human conception. So we, we found the most powerful. So um, I read it and I was indeed swept away by the book. I thought everything he says is true. That there's a voice. He was like speaking to me as his closest friend. It was, mm -hmm. you know, you read this again and again in the Amazon reviews. And so a few days later, my friend was in the bookstore, UFC bookstore, and this random person comes up to him, starts talking to him about self-realization fellowship, says, you got to go to self-realization fellowship meeting. There's a Hollywood temple is like two miles up the street and you can, tonight there's a service. And he's the, this is the teaching of Paramahansa Yogananda. And that, that got my friend who was a what? Is he's because we didn't even know, you know, that that book that you have, Philip. If you look through it, it really doesn't promote self realization fellowship very strongly. Right. And we didn't know that Yogananda had an organization, so this was great news. And so we went up Thursday to that service, and it was we again. I felt like this is it, this is I found my, my path of meditation, which you know, that voice was telling me. And then the next Saturday, I went to the international headquarters, which again was only two or three miles away. So I was just really ended up at the perfect spot. Even as a child, I knew I was like, oh, good. I ended up in L.A. For some reason, I knew this was important. So I, I, I went to the lake. I went to Mount Washington, uh, enrolled for the teachings. And then a couple of years later, I began typesetting for the for the monks uh, for the SRF with the monks who were there working. And, and just being with them. And then suddenly I found myself a monk, you know, a couple of years after that. So that, that's how it all happened. And, and uh, if I could ask, uh, you are, for our listeners that aren't familiar with the term, a brahmachari, a monk, a celibate, uh, a, a monastic, living, uh, as I understand, with other monks, not living solo, but you have a community of monks wherever you are. And I'm, I'm certainly met in number and I've, 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 and uh, you folks seem, I have to say, very happy. Uh, <laughs> people think of him as a monk as very solemn, and I'm sure we, we, you, you have that experience sometimes, but uh, a very happy group. And uh, does, for our people that are very innocent listening out there, that maybe have had no experience going inward, uh, what, what was your, when you first started, what was your experience? Did you feel a, a happiness, a calm? What was it that you got from meditation, and how did that, uh, influence in your life change or grow over time that, you know, obviously it must have been a big way because of the commitment you made for your lifestyle. And, and uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, it's, that's a big question. It was it, meditation was the main part of it. Like I said, I, I knew that that was the center of it. Mm -hmm. And the, the meditation is going within where that joy, that happiness, that missing link that I was, because I was kind of, I was confused and miserable when I read Autobiography of a Yogi and, and, and 
then and I started meditating, things began to clear up. But, it, you know, it, gradually you become, you become happier and happier. And then it's the, whole, it's the whole path of Raja Yoga, you know, which starts with yama niyama, the do's and the don'ts, how to live in harmony with the laws of God. And so I'm, you know, I was a boomer, ba a narcissistic baby boomer, only interested in me. I didn't have the faintest idea of service, of doing anything for anybody else, which makes you happy. Uh -huh. like, and one of the great things about, about the community life or a married life is giving and doing for others. That's a huge part of yoga. And, and so I learned to do that. And then I'm learning to meditate. And yeah, it, all those things just made me happy and, and makes, make all of us happy that are practicing. How did your family feel when you uh, made the commitment to be a monk? They were, um, my mother was fairly progressive, even though she was from New Zealand and a very conservative. <laughs> would, would die if anyone called me Marty. And my name is <laughs> Martin. So she was very formal and, and serious. Um, and we went to church, ordinary church, reg, regular Protestant church. But then, then, of course, yeah, this was a strange thing. And of course, she was worried as a mother. But then as she saw me and how kind of balanced it was and not really strange and not culty. She, 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 she went, she became, you know, fine with it. And did she ever read autobiography of a yogi? I think so. I mean, she actually took the lessons, which are the core teachings. So she started those. And when it got to the first technique of these energization exercises, that was a little bit of more of a commitment that she, that she was read, you know, had the time for. So she was totally, uh, she was very, uh, she was very intuitive and spiritual. She had a sort of a psychic. She, when my, when her sister's son died in New Zealand, she woke up that night and said, Nikki's dead. She knew it. So she, she had this sort of, mm -hmm. she, she understood how the, the spiritual connection and communion and, and, and the power of the mind and all these things. She healed my, healed my father when, when you know medics, medicine couldn't do anything, and she was at her wit's end, and she just said, she just she just healed him because there was no other alternative. So she's a powerful woman. So, so very understanding. My dad was fine with everything. He says as long as you're happy. Nice, wonderful. Uh, I have a question. I'll throw it actually out to, to both you, Brahmachari uh, Martin, and to Phil. You know, Phil, uh, like Brother Martin, uh, you, were, you were very influenced by autobiography of yoga. And again, I want to mention. That yogi. Book, autobiography of a yogi. Uh, that book was written 75 years ago. And, uh, and, uh, uh, but you went on, Phil, uh, to write about uh, the life of Yogananda. And I'm sure, uh, Brahmachari Martin, uh, in your, you probably met uh, a lot of monks that actually spent time with, with Yogananda. And uh, for both of you, uh, what beyond the book can you tell our listeners? Uh, uh, that you learned uh, and experienced, maybe starting with uh, uh, Brother Martin. Well, beyond the book, it was the teachings of, of Kriya Yoga. Yoga uh, Ji mentions it in the book, and he says, I can't explain it because there's a certain preparatory um, period that you have to meditate with the other techniques. So it was the, it was the practice of meditation, and then, like I said, um, and everyone learns different. I think everyone is really vastly different. The spiritual path is so huge. 
And every one of us has our weakest link that we sort of have to take care of before we can go forward. And for me, being a baby boomer, again, it was like, it was almost like service. Emphasize less, emphasize less on the self, doing for others, thinking of others, and including that in your spiritual life. Because all the things about practicing the presence of God and, and uh, meditation and all these, they're, they're, they're in the teachings. Mm. They're, they're, they're right, you get them right away. But at least for me, it was more of an expansion of, of interest in other in 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 others let me just follow let me just follow up on that a lot of times people when they hear about uh, a monastic person in living the lifestyle you're living they think of somebody being very self-absorbed uh and what you're saying and this has been my experience not only with your monks but uh with many monks in general much so much of their life is uh uh, focused on uh uh, service to others how how in uh, your monastic order uh, is that expressed? Through well, we have we have our work. I'm a counselor, and others are in the kitchen, and others are in the garden, and others are working. And we're working for Yogananda, you know, because we've given our life to that. And so it makes it it. And then when you meditate on top of that, it just your whole life becomes spiritualized. And so then you're not just meditating and and your your God time is not just, you know, five in the morning and like 12 in the evening. It's 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 throughout the it's throughout the day. And so everything we do, and that's why it's so balanced. And it's really in your heart. It's who are you working for? And anyone the monastic is not, not the path for Yogananda, you know, promoted. He promoted the householder path. And, and which I feel the house, again, paradoxically, I'm more, I'm more connected with other people than I was before I became a monk. And as a monk, the worst thing you can do is sort of be really so too super inward, because then you get really weird and eccentric and unhappy. (laughs) So the, 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 the life just, just makes you more, more outward. But the main thing is in your heart, who are you living for? You can, you can be in a family and you can be married. And you can work for God and live for God and live for Guru. And that's a total of, you can, that's like being a total monk. And, and if you're a monk and you, and you don't do that, you can be doing all the outward things. It's empty. So it really is, you know, who you're living for. Are you living for God? It's not Guru necessarily, but, but God. And that's Yogananda says that throughout the autobiography of a yogi, you know, we're here. Purpose of life is to seek God purpose of life is to love God. How do, how do you do that? Through meditation, but you have to do, but you'd have to do it. Right. And Phil, and what did you discover in your writing, in your book uh, about well, Yogananda? That, that when went- I read it the same year, brother uh, Martin did, uh, I did not become a student of Yogananda and certainly not a, a disciple. And I had my path and my path was different <clears throat> But what I discovered in all my research is that for every person who reads the autobiography of a yogi and then takes the lessons and becomes a devotee, there are probably 10 or 50 that read it and don't become students of Yogananda or disciples, but who are strongly influenced by the book and by his example anyway and find their, you know, their own paths, whatever they may be. And I'm, I was in that category. And when I was writing American Veda, of course, he was uh, one of the two or three most important uh, teachers who came from India that I profiled. 
And what I realized afterward is um, what an interesting life he had, independent of his uh, stature as a spiritual teacher. And I, I wanted to write more about it, but there was no room, <laughs> you know, a book that was covering 200 years. So I had the idea to do a biography, which, and now I'm going to lead to a question for Brother Martin. One of the reasons I wrote a book, a biography of Yogananda was I realized how much he left out of autobiography of a yogi. I actually did a page count and realized that less than 10% of the book uh, covered his life after he left India and came to America. And there were big patches of that time that were not in the book. So I thought, well, somebody should fill in those gaps. So I want to ask Brother Martin, um, the, the fact that he left out so much about his life has led some people to say, why does he call it an autobiography? He left out so much. And so much of the book is about other people, all these great yogis and Gandhi and Rabindranath Tagore and all these, you know, Luther Burbank. So do you run into those kind of questions when people talk to you about autobiography of yoga? And, and what was it like for you to discover the uh, aspects of his life that were not in the book? Yeah, that's always interesting to me. I don't know why, what particular, why he followed you know, in autobiography, you can sort of take whatever path you want to take as a writer. But I, when this uh, podcast interview was uh, invitation came, I realized I hadn't read Autobiography of Yogi cover to cover in, in a long time. <laughs> so I got this is a good chance. So I went to our monk's library and some other monks must have had this because I wanted to read a hardcover. I just would, I have it on Kindle, but I wanted a hardcover. So I went to the monk's library. And uh, there were no copies of Autobiography of Yogi there. There was just this book. The only book that was there, is, you know, some other monks must have had the same idea, but the, the only book that was there was Life of Yogananda by Philip Goldberg. So, so I took that <laughs> off the shelf. I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's a great book. You're a great writer, I must say. Thank I'm you. A, I'm a reader of many biographies and Pulitzer Prize winning books and whatever. And most of the writing is dead. Um, hmm. And your writing is lively, and, and Thank you. you take huge amounts of information and condense <laughs> it into small, into like a paragraph, which is really brilliant. But anyway, so I was reading them in parallel, which was really, which was really fun, and seeing the gaps yeah. that Yogananda in his life, and learning about these things. And I've learned uh -huh. about these things over time. Yeah. I haven't been asked about them. I don't particularly know. You would have to ask Yogananda if he, he was here why he focused on on yeah. this and that. But um, so one thing I was thinking was, you know, like the book is magical. There's a magic to it. And there's sort of a magic if you go, and I've never been to India, but I've been to Dominican Republic, <laughs> which, which is called the India of the West, surprisingly. And I went there and I didn't want to leave. It was just people were just fishing on the beach and it was just a whole different consciousness in America. And I suppose India is that in spades and it's like magical place. And of course, Yogananda writes about, you know, all the magic that's happening. Maybe when he comes to America, there's no magic here. Hmm. You know, it's, it's just a different place. You write about you keep your, you know, you write about what you did in your business day or your goals or whatever. And they're kind of dry and. 
I think I'm sure Yogananda could have written a book, you know, in America and, and would have made it as amazing as the rest. But I don't get a lot of questions about that, but I'm filling it. I've been filling in the gaps and, and enjoying it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and now I have to go to the I've been to India six times. Now I have to go to the Dominican Republic. It's very nice. <laughs> you know, well, you know, Yogananda uh, did say L.A. was the Benares. Of, of the West. So he must have found some charm here. I think there's something, it's very deep <laughs> beneath, you know, all the other stuff in the world. But, but most of all this is very, you know, it's very deep what he's talking about America. And I see it when I go around the country and I visit different places and I thought, oh, this is so much better this is than L.A., so much better than L.A. and beautiful. But anyway, when I talk to people, people in America are so nice. They're so kind. They really are generally, un, you know, the, the thing you get in the news, in the media, is just, to me, is not, not representative. When you talk to, this, to the rank and file of people in this country, I think they're very kind and very inspired. And in Yogananda's last page of Autobiography of Yogi, he said the, the deep spirituality, I, I can't remember the phrase, but this deep spirituality of America. And I think he saw deeper than even all the troubles that we have now and the world has now. And, and so I've always been an optimist in terms of you know, how the world is going to go. And it's been proven right because people were always, when I was in 1978, I just, I go, oh my God, we're not, you know, this world is not going to survive this year, you know, and it's a constant thought. And I finally, I got, well, I guess I'll let go of that thought because <laughs> things are going to continue, but people are learning and I don't know. It's, Wait, it's, I, I have a, <clears throat> I wanted to mention one thing about the influence of uh, autobiography of a yogi uh, because uh, I, I started, uh, I've been involved with, Transcendental Meditation for 50 years. I started in 1970. And I remember when I started, spirituality was very new to me. And when I asked people how they started TM, more than anything else, they said they read Autobiography of a Yogi. It got them on a path. And, and probably people in yoga, people, every, you know, uh, 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 spiritual path that's out there, I think uh, that Autobiography of a Yogi got a lot of people going in that direction. So the influence... When I say it's influenced thousands of maybe the, all the people that are involved with SRF, but it's actually much more than that. There's probably people that got back to their more fundamental, uh, uh, spiritual, uh, mystical Christian roots and Judaic roots uh, as a result of the book. So it, it, its influence is, is just uh, tremendous. And like I said before, if you haven't read it, please, please uh, read it. And it's readily available. And also read Phil's book uh, on, on Yogananda. Uh, it, it's you know, you, you'll be not wasting your time. You'll be, be making good use of your time in both cases. I want to reinforce what you said because um, when I wrote American Veda, I interviewed more than three hundred people, and I would ask how they got involved in yogic teachings, uh, Indian philosophy, and all that. If they mentioned a book, far and away the most often mentioned book was Autobiography of a Yogi. The second most mentioned, because I tended to in interview baby boomers mostly, um, was Ram Dass's Be Here Now. But when I interviewed Ram Dass, he mentioned Autobiography <laughs> of Yogi. So, <laughs> so you, you're quite right about that. And I would say millions, not thousands. Yeah, yeah. And it's come I up would, Yeah. I, when I was in design department, um, we were uh, 
designing these little books to like for the public, general public, which we have like three of them. And I was, they said, let's get a book cover that's done by a designer rather than in-house uh, book cover design. So I went to the bookstores to look for designs that I liked. And, and on the back flap, you'll see the name of the designer. So I was writing down the names of designers that I liked in the book covers, went home, went back and I called them, cold called them, uh, say, you know, we have a job from Self-Realization Fellowship. And almost everyone said, oh, Autobiography of Yogi, that changed my <laughs> life. Autobiography of Yogi, I'm, yeah. he was a, well, one Christian designer, had the God Talks with our, no, the Second Coming, which is this very, very deep, big book on, uh, on Christian uh, interpretation by Yoganandi. He has it by, he, he reads it before he designs his Christian book covers. And another, huh. and finally we found a lady who wasn't, we, the one we chose, didn't know a Self-Realization Fellowship. And then when we went up to see her, her in San Francisco, she had the law of success on her desk and didn't even know that it was by Yogananda. So yeah, it's the, the, uh, the influence is, is, is huge. I, I also wanted to ask you, uh, <clears throat> have you found in your 40 years uh, plus of, of being involved uh, or maybe first reading the book uh, that, and I'm going to guess you've read it or gone through parts of it uh, again and again over the years. Uh, did you, did did you see the development of your own consciousness? Because when you read it subsequent times to the first time that you uh, had deeper understanding, deeper meaning, you related to it. It's almost a, a, a way for people to check their spiritual progress to re read and reread a book like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I hadn't read the book in a long time, cover to cover. I mean, I'll get in trouble if I tell you how many years it's been since I read it. So it had been a long time. I, re I read it cover to cover and I started saying, oh my God, that's my life. This, I, I you know, anyway, new, I wrote 80 things down. I counted them, 80 things down that were new perceptions that I got in the book and really inspiring things about had sort of become part of my life. Uh, which were like, oh, good, because I wanted the main, you know, as a, as a student, as a disciple of Yogananda, what I really want is to, you know, reflect that, those ideals. And I, and I found them sort of hidden in the book and I was writing like tons of them. So yeah, it was, it was, and then, I, and then I felt, then I put the book down and I felt Yogananda's presence this whole time I was reading it in an even stronger way than I, and I, than I had in, in, in a long time. So it was, it was a great experience. And I would, I would uh, second Dennis's recommendation to our listeners and viewers. If you read the autobiography of Yogi a long time ago, uh, give it a reread it. Uh, Cause I had to for, for, you know, I was doing research. So I did. And I also listened, by the way, there's an audio version narrated by Ben Kingsley. I've listened to that. Yeah, so know, that's also an option. <clears throat> um, and um, because, you know, we grow spiritually, we grow and mature, and so we find new things in it. We're capable of extracting more from a book like that than we were in the past. Uh, one of the things that often comes up when I mention Yogananda and, and the autobiography, um, people want to talk about the miracles, all the all the examples of yogic uh, superpowers, as we call you know cities, as we say, 
and the many miracles and wonders that he writes about in the book. And um, I'm curious, Brother Martin, uh, how people that you come in contact with uh, respond to that. Because in my experience, there are people who love that stuff. And, you know, that's part of the, or the main appeal for them. And there's other people who say, well, I don't believe any of it. I just love the book for other reasons. <laughs> so what is, what, was, what is your experience? I loved it. When I started, I was like totally captivated by the whole thing, by miracles, which is kind of a superficial understanding of spirituality yeah. as, you, as you realize when you get into it. But Paramahansaji, in his, in his beginning, he said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He quotes that from Christ. And so this was sort of show that there were these the only reason I started spirituality was to see because I, I realized that there was a world behind this world of different laws, of, of subtler worlds. And subtler, and so Yogananda sort of is bringing that out, said, look, there's, there's a hidden world of, of electricity behind this. And, you can, and those that meditate and develop the ability can manipulate that and create miracles, which really aren't miracles, because, but they're the workings of laws. But then as you read, the, if you really, when you read it, you'll see it. there's a deeper attitude because a lot of times Yogananda will talk about a miracle and then you'll say, you know, that was bad, you know, this is, a you know, it's not helpful. Right. So, and then if you go on and if you get the Self-Realization Fellowship lessons, the teachings after the book, then that's very sobering. You realize very quickly, it's not about miracles and the miracles don't come as you practice. And there's, there can be a little bit of a disconnect. You're kind of going, wait a minute, what happened? Aren't I, you know, how come I'm not going into the astral world or this and that? And that understanding has to come. But I think Yogananda had to bring this out in order to, set, to really, he didn't want to bring a church, a religion, like, you know, believe in this and that. He, he said, this is based on a science of a world behind this physical world. And we were really looking for that as in my generation. You know, we couldn't, this world get out, you know, let's, mm -hmm. let's leave everything, drop everything. <clears throat> and what, you know, as Yogananda said, what greater escape is than, than going into omnipresence? <laughs> and that was what is offered yeah. in meditation. And omnipresence, not miracles, it's spirit. It's the, it's, the, it's the subtler things, peace, love, divine joy. These are the qualities of God, which you look for in meditation. And if people have other things, you kind of say, don't worry about that. And I want to reinforce what you said before about um, Yogananda teaching primarily to householders. He created a monastic order, and uh, that was a pretty new thing in the 1920s and 1930s for Americans to have that style of, you know, swamis and, and females uh, in monastics as well. So he was very innovative in that regard. Um, but he was, he was teaching for people in the world, and his own example uh, was of a monk in the world. He worked very hard, and he overcame a lot of obstacles. You know, one of the things that stood out for me in researching his life was you know, he was here in the 1920s and the Great Depression, the World War II years. He was a dark-skinned Hindu in uh, a very racist country when he first arrived. 
So he had to deal with a lot of stuff. He was not, you know, uh, just sitting in a cell or a cave like, uh, you know, uh, sannyasis in India. So um, I, that it stood out, stands out for me, and I'm, I'm sure it does for you as well. Absolutely. And, and the way Yogananda was, he was positive, forgiving. It was on to the next thing. He didn't hold on to, to hurts or whatever. And so he would hardly even talk about things that, that were negative. And so then the, 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 he, the disciples he taught sort of emulated that. It was sort of a, it was just keep on the positive, forgive those and move on without, doesn't mean you're a doormat or anything. But so for a long time, we didn't know about the, didn't know about the, some of the really tough times that Yogananda went through. In fact, when we did one documentary of interviewing devotees who know Yogananda, it's called, I can't remember the name of it, but it's something we show members. I mean, it was like one testimonial of a, peop, a person that knew Yogananda after another. And it was just, they were, in, it was so moving because you could see how he, how he affected them and what an incredible person he was. But the filmmaker that did that, so there's no, he said, there's no conflict here. You have no movie because the hero <laughs> has to go through difficulty. <laughs> Yogananda never went through any difficulties. And we go, yeah, I guess not, not too bad. And then, and then because it really wasn't, uh, it wasn't brought out. And then when Awake came and Philip's book, and it, then more was revealed about how difficult the guru had it. And then you realize, oh, this, he was even greater than we thought. I mean, I mean, it's yes. even more amazing, you know, that's what you want. You want to over, overcome difficulties and not have smooth sailing. And he certainly didn't. And as an example for everybody. And because, um, and that's a big thing in my counseling. People will mm. call and say, my life is turning upside down. Yoga must not work. And say, no, it works perfectly. It's just, it, you, you, you'll just get better at dealing with it, but the world is inherently difficult. You know, right. like Annie Lamont said, I just saw a quote, she said, the life is ridiculously difficult. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you can, when you say that, you can smile because you accept that, you accept that. And then, and you, and you, and you go from there. And yoga is the greatest thing, therapy, to get through the mm. ridiculous difficulty mm. of life. Very good. Uh, Ramachari, and Martin, I had uh, one final question from my side for you, and that is, how does the uh, Self-Realization Fellowship uh, plan on celebrating uh, or commemorating the 75th uh, anniversary of the uh, publishing of Autobiography of a Yogi? Well, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. There's, this, there's a new uh, edition of um, the Autobiography of a Yogi uh, Deluxe book in a slipcase, gold pages, end pages, uh, and, and 100, 100 photographs within uh, wow. duotones and color. And um, this kind of a, kind of this acid paper that will like last forever. It's really, really nice. Anyway, that's, we've come out with that as our, as, as, as one of our our main, our main things. And then we have, we have um, podcasts like we're doing to, like today and, and different, different outreach. So that's, 
that's what we that's what we are doing. And this book can be available. This book is we have a website if you're interested in following up on anything. It's yogananda-srf.org. We'll post all of that up, including uh, the availability of that book. And what a great gift. Yes, a deluxe edition, which raises another quick question for you, Brother Martin. Um, SRF, uh, the original publisher, uh, sold the rights to SRF a few years after the book was published, and SRF has published it ever since. And there have been revisions uh, updates from time to time. And people have often asked me why and what are they about? Can you explain? Yeah. Um, of course, Yogananda was, he lived, he lived six years longer than Autobiography of a Yogi. So as the time passed after publishing, he came up with revisions and even, even a, a, a final chapter. Uh, the book was published in a small publishing house in New York. The Terramata, who was the the uh, editor, she, she wore her shoes out walking to all the publishing houses to try to find a book about miracles and yogis published in 1945. So they finally, had a, they finally found a, a publisher. And we, th- they had the rights for a while. And, they had, and while that was going on, they had, you couldn't like change a comma in there without changing the whole plate. So it was very expensive. So the... the, the uh, corrections that Yogananda had, the additions and whatever had to be apportioned, you know, over time. And, and then that we find, then we got the plates and we were able to do more. And then it became like a manpower issue where we didn't have a lot of, 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 of monks in at our editorial department. And so we were working, you know, all, um, through the years and finally got all the, the revisions done that Yogananda, you know, earmarked for us in, uh, in the 1957 edition. And since then, uh, I think you've added some footnotes and <laughs> photographs uh, to subsequent editions as well. Yeah, there will be there will be footnotes, and any footnote that we add, it'll always say publisher's note. So you always know that the pub, the footnotes because Yogananda annotated it extensively. So all the pu- footnotes he put in, if they have no publisher's note on it, it it's it's from him. So yeah, yeah, there'll be stuff put in as times change and things come up. Yeah, there's one very long footnote of his that I, I always uh, was drawn to um, because India t- attained its uh, independence a year after the book was published. And in a subsequent edition, he, he added a long footnote, of a, a great tribute to India and its independence. He, he, it was his beloved uh, homeland, and he was happy to have lived to see the independence. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then the Lake Shrine has the Gandhi Memorial. The ashes, right. the ashes of Gandhi were part of them were sent to, to him, and they're interred here. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, Brother Martin is uh, stationed, so to speak, at the, the Lake Shrine in Pacific Palisade section of Los Angeles. It's a local uh, oasis, uh, a national treasure. And I hope uh, listeners, if you get to LA, uh, pay a visit to the Self-Realization Fellowship's Lake Shrine. It's, it's a beautifully maintained and uh, sacred place. A, great, a place I, of great, great peace. And, and certainly uh, you don't have to be tremendously alert to feel the, the influence and, and 
and um, consciousness of, of Yogananda there. It's, it's very alive and uh, very inspiring and a uh, very uh, lively but quiet feeling. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. It's just, uh, it just overtakes you, the, 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 the peace of the place. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, if you're, if you're in Los Angeles, look it up. And uh, we're, <clears throat> excuse me, we're recording this toward the end of 2021. <clears throat> so by the time you listeners get to LA, pandemic should have uh, lightened up a lot more and uh, the Lake Shrine will be opened more and more. I know it's, there's some restrictions at the moment. Yeah, there's a reserve reservation system and it's really simple to do if you, you just find the website and reserve on it. And th that, that may continue because it's a very nice thing because then it shows, kind of sort of shows people what, what you know, introduces people to the lake in that way. So, mm. so go to the website first. Thank you okay. so very much. It was wonderful. And thank again, you, uh, hold, yeah, up your, for hold up your me. old copy of Yo Autobiography of a Yogi, Phil. 1970. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. And, and your book? Behind my you. book is this one. Oh, my book here? And Philip's that's book. That's the uh, Life that's of the Autobiography. Right. Two great okay. reads. Uh, go for it. Thank you so very much, uh, Brahmachari Martin. Wonderful. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Philip. Really enjoyed it. Take good care. Be yeah. well. You too.